realize that you can watch all of the shit that's out there. Don't let either company trick you into thinking it's a us versus them thing. Just enjoy the wrestling. Whether it's WWE or AEW or NXT, you guys don't have to choose. You can watch it all. That's rad. Fight forever, Guardian! I think he broke it. And you're listening to Hell in a Cell Radio. The Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. It's 2022, and we're going to the 22nd year of HIAC Talk Radio, right here on wherever you hear or watch your favorite podcast. I've dressed accordingly for this show because this is a brand new year, brand new suit, so we're kicking things off the right way. Um, I'm here with my co-host, who I could not do the show without, uh, the man who, if only he would show his pride and his Philadelphia teams would be a whole lot better off. I think he'd sleep better at night, but because he's just not a real fan. Just not a real uh, fan. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to push past that because we're going to talk about wrestling instead of uh, Philadelphia Sports, mainly our local hockey team, Dan Colachico. Happy New Year, Dan. Happy New Year, everybody. I'm not a real fan. <laughs> uh, Dan and I were talking before we went on the air about um, uh, the uh, lack of team spirit he's uh, purported to have by nameless, faceless um, jackanets on um social media people with all of three followers that are giving our fair Dan his level of shit. But yeah. Did, didn't you know, I, I don't, I don't watch this shit. Yeah. Don't, don't you know this by now already by now? Anyway, we're not here again. Like I said, we're not here to, to discuss our favorite local sports teams. Um, we are here to discuss professional wrestling as it were this is the year 2022. Uh, this time last year, we weren't uh, optimistic about live events uh, coming, but they did come, and we had our share of live events. Big crowds came back. Um, not exactly the TV audience didn't come back. Um, probably the biggest story that happened in 2021, of course, maybe the biggest story in the last eight years, was the return of CM Punk. That uh, His uh, debut in Chicago, his hometown, uh, already and it's barely only three months old, but one of the most iconic, memorable moments in wrestling history. One of the loudest pops you will ever hear. And I'm very, very old, and I've heard a lot of loudness live and on the television. One we'll talk about in the wrestling story in a little bit, but um, the return of CM Punk definitely uh, is definitely up there. Yeah, no, that was a... I still... I remember being on stream when it happened... Uh, cause, uh, socks later, uh, sent me video, uh, cause he was watching me live when it happened. And he sent me video of that moment when I, you know, when I'm live here and then that happened and it just yeah. I, blew my mind. Like I could, I was, I really never say never. If we learned anything from the Bret Hart thing. Yes. It really is never say never. And here we are. Yeah. 
CM Punk is back in wrestling. And we disagree on this part, but I'll say this. Um, I like that he's just there. Yeah. Like, he's just back into it. Like, it's not, I'm there once a week. I'm not, uh, he's not a special attraction. He's just a member of the roster. Mm -hmm. And I kind of appreciate that because it could have gone any way. Yeah. And that's the way they went. I I, I was kind of, I was kind of taken aback by that. I thought it would roll differently, but I I think they're doing a fine job of it. That is the least of their (laughs) problems, which as far as AEW, also we had breaking WWE's news today. Yes. Which we'll also talk about with our guests. But yeah, yeah, that's the least of AEW's problems, which we will talk about with one Derek McDonald a little later. But yeah, I would say the moment of the year, hands down, CM Punk. Yes. Yes, the other moments um, were the amount of departures from the WWE. The level of talent that left the WWE in 2021 was staggering. Former world champions, former WrestleMania main event people, uh, were either re- were released in a massive house cleaning. Uh, Two thirds of the Wyatt family are gone, um, which kept Ric Flair, um, other big names uh, gone, and other not so big names like uh, Buddy Murphy and uh, Leo Rush, and obviously people look at now AEW thanks to the uh, inclusion of. The aforementioned CM Punk and Brian Danielson and uh, Adam Cole, baby. People think thought that AEW would be a natural landing spot for uh, the uh, the incredible amount of WWE wrestlers that were released. Unfortunately, AEW can't can't accommodate them all, and they are not the only game in town. You know, uh, there is um, MLW. Um, there is right, yeah. Um, there is, I cannot even believe I'm saying this in 2022. There is TNA Impact Wrestling. So, I mean, they're there. Yes. So, um, yeah, but that was the other big story for me was the uh, massive exodus. Uh, the letting goes, the uh, future endeavor of dozens of big name WWE wrestlers, not superstars. I mean, you had to. I don't know how long the WWE thought they were going to go with people just accepting. Like if someone wasn't happy and they had an actual grievance, some of these, some of these wrestlers had legit grievances or issues, whatever, whether we disagree or not. I mean, whether fans agree or not, some of them had valid issues and I don't understand how the WWE would have just sat there and went, well, too bad when there is somewhere else to go now. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. But uh, yeah, those are the two biggest stories in 2021. Uh, I think I think the biggest loss, and again, we'll touch upon this a little later once we have Derek on, because uh, there was a bunch of releases today with WWE. Yeah. But just the, the basic version of that is, I think the biggest loss in wrestling as far as program-wise yes. uh, was NXT. Yes, they are. Uh, they, I mean, you're losing your biggest star to me on NXT with Adam Cole. I mean, and the undisputed era was the biggest, the best faction of wrestling for a two, three year period. And you 
take all three of the three of the four of those guys out, and that kills your to me kills your brand. Their attempt to reinvent themselves with the rainbow colors and the inclusion and turning all the lights on and you know uh, while it looks may look good, great for television, didn't do anything for the product. Uh, the one thing they have going for them, and I can say the same in AEW with, you know, with one person, but you have a can't-miss superstar that would be your top guy or in a, in a few years in any company, you know, the son of one of the best performers of his generation. And you can't hide the, the talent that the guy has because obviously he's been trained the right way by one of the, the best. He looks like a million dollars. He moves like a million dollars. He's got a, I'm going to curse you, stupid fucking name because of the WWE's insistence on copywriting, on giving everyone their own names. And, and NXT has a history of stupid fucking names. Only Lorcan and uh, Selena Vega and Carmelo Hayes. And let's take the, this, this sounds black enough, so let's call him Carmelo. I know that name, and then Hayes, or or just stupid shit. But Brown Breaker is one of the stupidest fucking names I've ever heard to a guy that everyone knows who he is. Everyone knows who his father is. If you didn't know this guy's name and you're watching him for the first time, you would say, oh, my God, he looks like Rick Steiner. Oh, my God, he wrestles like Rick Steiner. Oh, my God, he throws a clothesline like Rick Steiner. Oh, my God, he's dressed like Rick Steiner. Would calling him Rex Steiner really kill his career? Will that, will that do? Well, will that? Bron Breaker isn't getting me to turn the channel. If I hey Bron Breaker, who the fuck is Bron Breaker? What the hell, what the fuck kind of name is that? Rex Steiner, Scott's little boy. Yes, can I see, please? Oh man, he is that good. Um, so the I was gonna say it makes no sense. If you're gonna, if you were gonna ignore the the Steiner um, history, fine. Don't mention Rick Steiner. Yes. Don't mention the Steiner brothers. Don't mention that lineage. But last night, all over social media, after he won the WWE, uh, the NXT title, they paraded Rick Steiner out there to join yeah. his son. He was and, hold, and raise his hand. Yes, there's a shot of him. That when he was getting the the, uh, the the submission, there's Rick Steiner in the background. Like, pick one, WWE. I mean, they're all about erasing history and, you know, not even acknowledging any other wrestling company existed before them or even during them. But come on. It's like they're still treating us like we're, like we're idiots. This is like the, the late 80s, early 90s all over again. 1995 doesn't seem so bad. No, right now, no. no. That's, just, that's just me. Uh, yeah. At least we had Joe Gacy. Yes. Um, and even though Joe Gacy's not his real name, it's his name that he's had for years, and they let him keep it. Yeah, thank God. That I'm very happy about. I was when he. I remember when he got announced that he was in the training camp, and I was like, Oh, that's really cool. And then I was like, oh, what are they going to change his name to? And it's still Joe Gacy. So I was very happy about that. <laughs> but NXT, I don't know what it is anymore. 
Um, you know, Triple H is gone. Yeah. A bunch of other people are gone. Again, we're teasing that for later. We're going to talk about that later. But mm-hmm. I, I don't know, man. Um, you know, Raw hits Philly this weekend. Uh, I mean, this week, this coming Monday. Um, the uh, Tony Storm stuff last week, which we touched upon about on Nerd Herders. Yeah. Uh, the Ric Flair, Becky Lynch stuff. At this point, it's like, Rick, stop. Yeah. Rick, stop it. <laughs> you have gotten into enough trouble on your own the end of 2021. Just sit this one out, man. Yeah. I, uh, you know, you hear stories about Charlotte, which is, is killing me because I really, really like Charlotte. Yeah. But it sounds like she's being every bit of her father <laughs> in the worst ways. <laughs> Yeah, and with with Rick, he was never really a, a problem uh, in any. I mean, he was the NWA for so long, and the NWA champion and the standard bearer. You know, it wasn't until you know WCW was bought by Turner, and you introduce him to Jim Hurd. That's when you know, and and again, he wasn't the problem. It was the the people running it. Uh, with Charlotte, she's just being a, a jerk for no reason. I, we don't know if it's be, that he did she and Andrade break up. It's because was she trying to get her release and she didn't get it, and that's why she was acting up. Um, but now it seems like she's more of Rick's persona outside of the ring. The thing is, Flair's persona, in-ring persona, was what made him, you know, such a, an undeniable superstar, and you know. Uh, on a lot of people's Mount Rushmore's are the greatest ever. That didn't carry over into his personal life, uh, even during the 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 uh, advent of social media. He was, you know, still a gentleman outside of the ring and someone that you could you can always good for an interview, always good for a personal appearance. You know, always was conducted himself. Unless you're a woman. Yeah, yeah. Unless you're you know on a flight and that kind of thing. But mm. yeah. Uh, I can't, I don't know what the Charlotte, and I, we've been talking about Charlotte, I guess, I, since, God, we've been talking about Charlotte since the Nia Jax incident, um, about what her, uh, what's going on with her, or what her problem is. Well, everybody was all over that because it was Nia Jax, and. Yeah, and it's easy because Nia Jax is, she, a lot, she brings it upon herself, and. She's a goddamn klutz. Yes. I mean, so am I, but that's yeah. But that's you're you're not Dan. You're hurting yourself. You're yeah, I hurt myself. Yeah, I only hurt myself. I didn't hurt anybody else. That's a good point. Yeah. Thank you, Craig. You well. set me straight, buddy. <laughs> um, I guess with that being said, if you want to talk about because you know Derek's coming on after this, if you want to slot the historian in right here, slot it in. I slot it in. Slot. Hmm. And uh, I will find a, I'll find an opening and then I will proceed. Yeah. Just get right inside there. Just get right there. I'll just get right up in it. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) no, it is a brand new year. Uh, It's just going to, it just means I have to look further back uh, than I usually do because this is a brand new year, the year of our Lord 2022, but I'm still here in my new year suit in the new year, talking about when professional wrestling was the king of sports, when 
there with TV ratings going through the roof when live cards on television were as loud as you can possibly get when there was wrestling in all 50 states, when territories were, were king, where you can get some experience by wrestling in territories, Georgia, Florida, Texas, Los Angeles. And when you get good enough, make it to the big leagues, the big three. Back then there were three, WWF, NWA, and the AWA. Back when it was professional wrestling and not sports entertainment. Ladies and gentlemen, this, for the first time, in 2022 is the wrestling historian um this date uh january 4th again it's you know what i when dan and i do the show for you and i go back and i comb the uh the ledgers the uh, microfiche the libraries uh to find these dates in professional wrestling history um it's rare and it's becoming more frequent that a date comes up that I'm not familiar with, but other people are. And it was on January 4th, uh, two days ago, uh, that The Rock tweeted about this particular date. And it was co-signed by Steve Austin. And of all the people that talked about it, uh, the one person that didn't was the one who won the match. Well, January 4th, 1999, Dwayne Johnson, on his Twitter page, said 23 years ago, we tore the house down and it was awesome. And I want to thank Steve Austin for swinging the chair the right way. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. This was the Raw, the Monday night, um, Mankind versus The Rock, made even more famous, where on Monday Nitro, that same night, under orders from Eric Bischoff, Tony Schiavone, and we even talked about this two weeks ago, Dan, who made the uh, statement, and that statement is also what was tweeted out uh, on that uh, January 4th, two days ago, that Tony Schiavone, because uh, Raw was taped back then, folks, uh, they would wrestle, they would have a live show and then tape Raw after that and then show that taped Raw the next Monday. So, and this is the infancy of the internet. People that were already there already said what was going to happen. And since Nitro was live and Raw was taped, Nitro and most wrestling fans knew the ending to Raw. So under orders from Eric Bischoff, like I said, Tony Schiavone gave away the ending to Monday Night Raw, saying that Mankind, Big Foley, was going to win that company's world championship. And the last line, Dan, you remember... That'll put some butts in the seat. <laughs> well, after Tony's line, after Tony's... Uh, Thanks, Anthony. Statement, I, along with millions of others, <laughs> turned over to Monday Night Raw... Guilty. <laughs> ...to watch that title change. Mankind, with some help from DX and a total schmoz outside... Vince McMahon, Shane McMahon, everyone there to uh, to back the corporate champion, The Rock. Uh, both men were laid out, and then the glass breaks, and the crowd goes banana. As out comes Steve Austin towards the ring, runs in, grabs a chair that was laying in the ring, picks it up just in time to smash Rock over the head with it, 
Rock pointed out he did it in such a way that it didn't crack my head open. Uh, and put which Manson is a, which is astounding, by the way. <laughs> Austin knows how to swing chair. Austin knows what he's doing. Um, back then they did. Um, Austin put mankind on rock. Referee counted to three. Place got even louder, and um, history was made. And for the rock to remember that day, uh, he put it on his Twitter. And Austin was one of the ones said, "Yeah, that was a good night at the that was a good night at work." He said, "That was a good day at the office." He said, and the only person I didn't hear from was the person who won the match was Mankind. Uh, but yes, uh, 23 years ago this week, January 4th, 1999. I I think what's great about that, not I mean, it's all that whole thing sequence was spectacular. Then we talk about you know the CM Punk pop yeah. at the beginning of the episode, but that pop. That pop, it, it, it built. We talk about the Jericho debut on Raw, where it built, 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 built. Yeah. And this one was the same, where Austin's music hit, and in the late '90s, when Austin's music, nobody had a pop that loud. No one. Goldberg's came close. Sting, when he was crow Sting, the first at first, and he was beating up on the NWO, came close, but it was only close. Yeah, what and what Austin's pop was, Dan, because Sting and Goldberg got theirs, but Austin, because of the glass breaking, so that was like a tree, was like an explosion, like, ah, yeah, yeah. can't the glass breaking is what triggered everyone. Yeah, with Sting, it was he would just appear and the pop would go with, with Goldberg, it was a long buildup, you know, yep. the pop would, would finally make an entrance, but with Austin, it was like glass breaks, everyone goes nuts. Yep, yep. I, and uh, yeah. which it built when that happened, he hits the rock with the chair, yeah. flips off Vince as he's leaving, and then once the three pounds, the uh, three counts done, the mm-hmm. pop gets louder because everybody's like, yeah. and, and I remember turning that on because I was a Cactus Jack McFoley guy, you mm-hmm. know, from the Philly area, you know, as well. You yeah. know, he was the ECW darling, he was a, a you know, an extreme wrestling darling, mm-hmm. and then. Cut to three, four years later, he's a champ. Yeah. So it was a big deal. Uh, mm-hmm. And the PS to that is, as I always love, and I don't hear anybody else mentioning it, is just when it cuts back to Vince and Shane, and Shane just yells, I hate him! Ah! <laughs> he just screams. <laughs> oh, it was perfect. Uh, it was perfect, which led to the Sunday Night Heat, yeah. Super Bowl halftime heat, which was a good fun yeah. You know, bra, but yeah, that moment. And you're talking to a WCW mark. Everybody who listens to the show knows right. my Marxism. <laughs> Good word. <laughs> no pun intended. None. Uh, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Pun intended uh, for WCW. But even I was like, well, I'm taping the end of Nitro. I tape all the night. I taped all the WCW stuff anyway. So I'm like, yeah. well, I'm gonna go turn on Raw. <laughs> I don't. Wanna, I'll watch this later. Um, yeah, so and what was going on at Nitro at that <laughs> the finger poke, finger poke of, doom. of doom, which I still contend, and I know you saw the tweet the other night, and I know you don't agree with it, mm-hmm. and I wasn't doing it to get a reaction. I and this is, I know it's a hot take, but I do believe that I, I like, I liked the finger poke. I liked what it was trying to do. It failed miserably. There was on stage and backstage stuff that completely killed it right away. 
But mm-hmm. going back and watching all that, it was telegraphed for it was actually one of the smart builds they did. Yeah. Where towards the end of the year they started sprinkling in the stuff. And then that nitro, boop. <laughs> I'm like, wow, that kind of does make sense. But I like this even better than I used to. I didn't hate it when I was like, I remember watching that the next day when I got home from work, uh, from work, from school. <laughs> it's cool. Work. Right. Yeah. And rewatching it because we all talked about it in school and rewatching it going, this is great. The NWO's back together. The Goldberg and, and, and people are going to, and Sting will come back and they'll just go through them and blah, blah, blah. And of course, like we said, it all fell apart anyway. Yeah. And that telecast of uh, Nitro Dan did a 5.0. And the telecast for Raw? 5.7. And that would be the first time in 83 weeks that Monday Night Raw defeated Monday Nitro, and after that day, January 4th, 1999, they never looked back. And I think they they traded off a couple more times, Mm -hmm. but man, it (laughs) The momentum had definitely swung. I mean, but 1999 is also, like, (laughs) Jericho debuts in August. Yeah. Uh, Nitro loses half the talent to injuries and to contracts. The re- you know, uh, it, it's just bad. <laughs> it's just bad. And all throughout ninety nine, you know, by the end of ninety nine, Russo and Ferrara are in. Mm-hmm. We all know how that went. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I liked the finger poke. Okay. Yeah. You know, I, and I know it didn't happen on the. T- I just uh, honorable mention to Bam Bam Bigelow debuting in WCW in December. Uh-huh. Uh Because I was super excited about that. Yeah. You know, the local guy was on Nitro and he was looking for Goldberg, and it was all. There were these weird Nitros where the first hour was all produced bits, and it was just weird. It was weird. I agree. DDP came back from injury after being the people's champ and was all of a sudden heel. Yeah. Like out of nowhere. Like he was just a bad guy all of a sudden. Nothing happened. He's just a bad guy. I'm like, what's going on here? It was weird. Yeah. 99 also gave us the last heel run of Macho Man, though, which in the muck and mire of all the BS and WCW, it's Macho Man. I'll take Macho Man versus Dennis Robin at, at uh, Road Wild 99 any day, sir. No doubt. <laughs> yeah, and you'd be one of the only ones. But, yes, kill Macho Man, kill DDP, WCW grasping their straws as they were starting to circle the drain. But, um... <laughs> Listen, dude. What? We had a great heel DDP two-time, two-time, two-time WCW champion. Yeah. I don't think that happens if he stays people's champ. No. I no, think I... He, he was the champion solely based on being a bad guy. Yeah. And then we got the Jersey triad. We could talk about, we could do a retrospective of WCW 99. Cause you know, people, it, it's a bad year, but there's little diamonds in the rough there. Anyway, I'm sorry. Yeah. Take your segment oh, back. I apologize. You know, and Dan, and, and I'm, I'm, not ribbing you or anything like that because you're the only person I know that has the fondness for the year of 1999 and WCW because 
It's a, um, it's a at the time, yeah, because the majority of fans tuned out. Mm-hmm. And and what I did tune in, I saw the same thing you did. I didn't ha- I didn't have the same fervor or passion. About it. Oh no 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 no! There is it, it was mostly bad. I'm saying, but there uh, it was mostly bad. I can't defend a lot of it, but I said there's a few diamonds in the rough here and there. Yeah. The DDP World Title thing, of course, is is one of three or four things where I'm like, oh, that was really good though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gorgeous George too. That was really nice. Okay. To look at. <laughs> it was very nice. For me to poop on. For me to poop on. Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, January 5th, you know, we we're talking about uh, 23 years ago. I want to say 25 years ago, but now it's 26 years ago. Yeah, out a year now. <laughs> ECW Arena. House Party 96. Um, public enemy versus again. Well, you're already well. If you were at work slash school in '99, I'm guessing you were in kindergarten in '96. No, <laughs> no. What grade was uh, I in '96? <laughs> I was thirteen. Thirteen. Okay. Yeah, you I was know, thirteen. I was thirteen. How old you are, Dan? Do you remember? Yeah, I think I'm thirty-eight. Okay. Yes. Oh, fuck. I'm 39 in August because then in, in 2023, I'll be 40. I'll be 40. Uh, well, anyway, that day um, was Public Enemy defeated the Gangsters in their last match ever in ECW. Arguably the most popular tag team in ECW history. Um, but that would be their last match ever uh, against the Gangsters. But also on that same show, while the uh, public enemy was saying goodbye, and you say goodbye, someone else says hello, uh, against Axel Rotten, making his ECW that day, 26 years ago, uh, today, he turned out to be the whole effing show. Rob Van Dam. It is ECW debut. January 5th, 1996. Right here! Philadelphia. The world's famous 2300 uh, ECW arena. Coronavirus arena. (laughs) The bingo hall. I'm pretty sure that's where the original coronavirus uh, mutated. Yes. Was in 2300 arena. And I've told folks um, that if you ever use the bathroom in the ECW arena, you're pretty much immune to anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You might get it, but you'll be okay because your body's been fighting that shit up for years already, which yeah. means you and I are good. There's well, two bathrooms in Philadelphia where you would have gotten that kind of protection. 2300 Arena and the bathroom of Finnegan's Wake. <laughs> that I never use. I was oh, about- sir. I've been to Finnegan's Wake one time. That was actually, Dan, the second time I was ever on the President Steve Show. Show yeah. St. Patrick's Day live event, St. Patrick's Day 2008 at Finnegan's Wake. I was there at 6 I remember. And held it from that from that time, 6.01 a.m. till the time they went off the air, me 11.30, because I refused to use that bathroom. Well, To say that I was inebriated by 8.30 in the morning would be putting it lightly. And anybody can listen to any of the podcasts from the days at, the day after St. Patty's Day in 2008, 9, and 10 
to hear them mention specifically how inebriated I was, that I was not holding it until 11.30 noon. <laughs> the seal had to be broken at some point. Yeah. Uh, but I also learned, lost a shirt in there once. Ouch. Uh, I don't remember her name. <laughs> hey, that's that's a joke, but also true. <laughs> it's a joke and a true. Yes, it is. But yes, very good memories in there, except the bathroom. In fact, I'm getting skeezed out right now. Let's move on. Okay. Uh, and that's why they never do Finnegan's Wake at that presence for performance at Finnegan's Wake ever again. <laughs> well, it's also closed. Thank God. Yeah, that's all. That's another reason. Um, Good. Uh, even going further back, uh, we went from 1999 to 1979. Uh, it's a significant date in wrestling history, uh, only because the start of what we now is a dynasty. January 7th, 1979, in the Gulf Coast Territory in uh, Biloxi, Mississippi, uh, the tag team known as the Jet Set, uh, George Goulis uh, and his tag team partner, lost the uh, Mid-America Tag Team Championship to... A 19-year-old Terry Gordy and a 21-year-old Michael Hayes. Oh! The fabulous Freebirds will win their first tag team championship, the Mid-America Belts, uh, January 7th, 1979. That would start there. That would be the first of many tag team championships that they would have. And inside of five years, they would be the most, one of the most popular tag teams before before the road warriors they were the biggest money making tag team in all of professional wrestling going from mid-america to the mid-south where they main evented the superdome um will be exactly a year later in august of 1980 they would main event the superdome Twenty-eight thousand fans michael hayes take on junkyard dog while the other two freebirds took on dusky Rhodes and buck robley in a co-main event um after that, they went to Georgia, uh, adopted the Freebird rule that I mentioned on the past historian that would enable any two members of the three-man team to hold to, def- to defend the tag team championship, a rule that's been held up now 24 years, 22 years later, 42 years later, I'm sorry. I was going to say double that, but <laughs> 42 years later, it's still being held up, but the Freebird started it. We actually mentioned one of the teams that invoked it specifically earlier. We were talking about WCW 99 was the Jersey Triad. Jersey Triad. They evoked the, uh, the evoked the, uh, uh, free bird rule openly and you could fight for the tag titles, which you wouldn't win often. We're, uh, any three combination of DDP, Bam Bam Bigelow and Chris Cannon. It's a hell of a trio. Yeah, they were three great workers, three, two great talkers and just a great, Heel faction. Um, again, they were the dying game of WCW. Had it been a couple years earlier, um, I'm sure they could have done some damage. But uh, three great guys. Um, again, great, great heel faction group. And uh, but we're paying tribute to um, one of the most influential tag teams of all time, the greatest three man tag team of all time. Uh, Michael Hayes, Terry Gordy, and Buddy Rogers. But at this point, Michael Hayes and Terry Gordy won their first ever tag team championship, uh, January 7, 1979, beating the team of the, the owner's son, George Goulas, 
and his tag team partner, uh, one of the people that we, one of the biggest losses of 2021, Bobby Eaton. Oh, yeah. Man, it's only been a year. It's felt like three years at this point. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but either George Goulis and Bobby Eaton were called the Jet Set because Nick Goulis, who was uh, not really with the times, and he wanted a young babyface team. Uh, and he always, you know, back in the in the fifties or sixties, if you were young, you were, you know, Troy Donahue. They were called the they were Jet Setters, and so he called them the the Jet Set because he wanted to appeal to a younger audience. Um, Michael Hayes called called working with George Goulis um, the biggest pussy I've ever seen. <laughs> All right, you know we talked. Tell us how you really feel. You know, on this very podcast, we talked about uh, famous fathers and sons and wrestling sons who kind of missed the mark that weren't uh, as good or anywhere near of their their dads. Um, you know, we've, we've talked about the David Flares and the uh, uh, when, unfortunately, we lost Angela Mosca last year. I went off on a little tangent about how bad his son was. Uh, you know, it's not his fault. Uh, George Goulis was uh, that. Now, Nick Goulis wasn't a wasn't a, a showstopper uh, in, at all in, in in wrestling. He was a former, but he owned the company and he ran the Gulf Coast territory, Mississippi territory, and he had some major league talent there early on in their careers, like Bobby Eaton, like the Freebirds, like Randy Savage, uh, like Bob Orton Jr. Um, but George was just so bad. Um, <laughs> that it really defied description. <laughs> the way you're describing it, it's just killing me. Uh, there was a famous story where George Goulas was gonna <laughs> at the NWA champion back in the territory days, folks. When the NWA champion was was a touring champion, he would go to all the territories and he would wrestle the top guy there. So uh, when Harley Race, the NWA champion, went to Gulf Coast. To Nichols's territory to wrestle George Goulas, who was the number one contender there, because mainly because he was the boss's son. They had to go an hour, uh, and but he was so bad, uh, George Goulas was that Harley was just getting frustrated. And one of the things that came out of that was when Harley wasn't he was being unnecessarily stiff. And uh, but George couldn't understand why he wasn't getting more offense. And the, the famous line he was uttered to Harley during the match was, Daddy said sell! Daddy said sell! <laughs> wow. So apparently Harley Race wasn't selling enough for uh, George Goulis, even though his father had instructed. Under Daddy said sell! Right. Yeah. But anyway, that was Bobby Eaton's uh, tag team partner when they were the Mid American Tag Team Champions, Bobby. So sorry, Bobby. All of eighteen was already miles ahead of uh, George Goulas in terms of talent, but it was there that Bobby uh, got the experience he needed. Um, one of the guys that gave him the experience, other than, <laughs> other than George Goulas, was uh, Tojo Yamamoto, who was one of the huge stars in Tennessee in the Gulf Coast area. Five foot two, you know, you wouldn't think a guy that 
big or that small would be a terror or would be a, a huge star, but he was. And Tojo was a legit badass. One of the ways he used to teach Bobby was they were in the car and Bobby was driving and Tojo was in the uh, passenger seat and he reached over and just with his knuckle and his finger, he grabbed an end of Bobby's ear and he just twisted it. And Bobby went, ah, and they were, you know, a stop sign or a traffic light. And he said, God, Tojo what? And Tojo go, look at mirror, look at mirror. See that face? Okay, now watch. And he's going to do it again. Now watch. And he didn't put any pressure on his ear. He said, make the same face you made when I, when I hurt you first time. That's how you sell. And Bobby used that. One of the many things that you, but that was mainly uh, how he, he got himself over. He said, look at that face. That same face you made when you're in pain, make that same face when you're not in pain. Fans will believe it. And we all did. And, uh, but Bobby, and, yeah. I was going to say, how did anybody know that Bobby uh, Eaton was telling that story? He told it to Jim. Okay, because I couldn't understand a word Bobby was saying half the time, so I don't know who I don't I, I don't even know how Jim listened to the stories and translated it. Well, Bobby, when he when when Jim left and Bobby was a singles guy, uh, and when he was with the uh, the Blue Bloods with uh, Stephen Regal, who we'll talk about uh, in our other segment, um, he gave did a few interviews, and when he was in the Dangerous Alliance, he did he was a few interviews. Bobby was the was the um, NWA TV champion and being on TV, he had to give interviews. They weren't long ones, but he got his point across and it's, it was like Bobby couldn't speak. He just didn't speak. And that was really who Bobby was outside of the ring too. He would be the guy in the corner. He wouldn't be the guy running his mouth, telling stories in the locker room. He'd be the guy getting ready for his match. And if you needed something, extra roll of tape, toothbrush, shoelaces, pack of gum, icy hot, you went to Bobby, but uh, yeah, that's how he he uh, he, he got the story from. Uh, he told the story to Jim Cornette. Um, I really feel bad because there's that documentary about him that came out a couple years before he passed. And when he passed away, I tried to watch it on YouTube, and he, I couldn't understand what you say. <laughs> like, I really tried. I'm like, I, I came on. You know what? Yeah, and I I agree. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, I don't know what you're saying, Bob. Bobby Eaton was like, he was like the, the actual, the, the, the live version of uh, Boomhauer from King of the Hill. <laughs> like everyone there can understand him. And if you were, unless you were there, unless you were a friend of his, you wouldn't understand him either. So like, yeah, he was, he was Boomhauer. <laughs> oh, there you go. Thought I had glaucoma for a second. Anyway, continue. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He, he, the, the Southern drawl and the, uh, the, uh, the quiet demeanor, uh, but yeah. But Bobby Eaton kept his friendship with uh, Michael Hayes and Terry Gordy throughout their career. You know, when they uh, when the Freebirds finally did win their their only NWA championship, they did it by defeating the uh, the New Midnight Express, uh, Stan Lane, Bobby Eaton and Stan Lane. Uh, but they always um, remained friends, and Eaton's work was so impeccable. Uh, you mentioned Ric Flair never having, never being an issue with anyone outside of uh, wrestling. Ric Flair, when he was the NWA champion during the late 80s, uh, 89, 88 to 90, 
he was also the head booker. And Ric Flair only wanted to, only asked to wrestle two guys the whole time he was booker. One with Brian Pillman, the other with Bobby Eaton. And, and Bobby was so good, and Flair respected him so much, not only did he want to wrestle Bobby on a Sunday night uh, primetime superstar uh, wrestling show, he didn't want to beat him. Nope. Nope. And there was like, but and even Jim was like, "You're the champion. Like, we don't have any problem with you if you're being Bobby and you're supposed to." But Rick said, "No." Mm-mm. And you know they, uh, and of course Jim Hurd wasn't happy about that. He didn't know why Bobby Eaton was getting a shot in the first place. Like, what did he fall out of a helicopter? How did, how did Bobby Eaton get a title shot on primetime TV? And but that was what Rick wanted because he loved working with Bobby. And uh, and and it showed, and and they went to a disqualification, um, and they did a, uh, I think the three point eight or so on their Sunday night, which was the largest ratings that they had for a Sunday night show in a year. Uh, and then they had the rematch, and because Jim Hurd didn't like the fact that you know Rick couldn't beat Bobby or that Bobby would get a tie shot in the first place, so just despite that, you know what? Then Rick beat all of us, you know. Be, be, be me, be Stan, be Bobby. So they did the finish. The Cornette tried to interfere, and Rick got the tennis racket in the way. He hit Jim Cornette over there with it. He hit Stan Lane over there with it. Then hit Bobby with it, and then he pinned Bobby. You know, there, okay, he beat all of us. So um, to, 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 despite uh, Jim Hurd. But, Why are you making this so goddamn difficult for <laughs> But uh, yeah, that's I didn't mean to go off on a Bobby Eaton tan, uh, tangent. This was about the the Freebirds winning their first tag team championship, and it would start their their legend and uh, start their uh, their incredible rise to uh, tag team immortality. And it started this week in wrestling history, January seventh, nineteen seventy nine. Uh, almost, gosh, forty three years ago, this week. Sure, you're good with math. I'll take your yeah. word <laughs> I, I do. I do numbers well. Um, I'm. I'm. If uh, my. If I apologize, folks that are watching us on uh, Twitch, if my eyes are gazing um, toward the screen, uh, AEW is on right now doing a live. Speaking of TBS, they're harkening back to the very first Clash of Champions, uh, a one-hour match. The very first Clash of Champions. Uh, for those of you unaware, uh, there was a one-hour match between Ric Flair, the aforementioned Ric Flair, the NWA Heavyweight Champion, and Sting. As the match went to a draw, there would be judges at ringside. And one of the judges was um, Ken Osmond from Leave it to Beaver, uh, a model whose name I forgot, uh, and um, Sandy Scott, who was a former NWA official. Um who, for some reason, declared about it. He couldn't decide, so he declared it a draw. So, because one judge voted for Flair, another judge voted for Sting, and then Sandy Scott voted the draw. So, what was the point of having judges if one of them could vote for a draw? Don't get it. Thanks a lot, Sandy. I said all this to say that right now, as I'm coming to you live on HIAC Talk Radio, there's a one-hour AEW title match between the American Dragon, Brian Danielson, and uh, Hangman Adam Page. And the judges at ringside are Mark Henry, uh, No BS, Paul White, and 
Oh, let's see if I can remember his name. Um, yeah, Jerry Lynn. Jerry Lynn's there? Jerry Lynn is a judge. Yeah. Mr. JL? Yes, Mr. JL. And Dan, if you could see the, the, the visual of, I don't know where they got this heating arrangement. Big Show is here. Sorry, Paul White is here. Mark Henry is here. Jerry Lynn right in the middle. They did it on purpose. They did it on. Tell me they stuck him there on purpose. Jerry Lynn, one of the littlest guys in wrestling, sit next to literally two of the biggest, two of the biggest guys in wrestling. But why wouldn't you frame it like, you know, or just go from just, or even just use panic. Go, from small, small to, from small to big or big to small. Or just do the, you know, instead of having a wide shot where you can see, you know, two, it's like two grown men bringing a little boy uh, to the, to the circus. Why not just focus, headshot on Big Show? This is and, our son. Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Paul and I are hetero life mates, and this is our son. This is Jerry. our son. Uh, yeah. Silent Jerry. <laughs> Little boy Jerry. I, I got to look this up. Hold on. I mean, don't hold on. Keep going. I just got to look this up. But uh, they're hearkening back. Um, AEW is uh, doing a one hour uh, match. This is, and for their, this is their first show on TBS. So again, um, TBS was where the first class of champions were, was held. And the first class of champions, like I said, one hour match between Ric Flair and Sting with judges. Uh, and that match would make Sting a uh, superstar. And that would st- start his rise to. Uh... <laughs> Let's see it. <laughs> That's so funny. Why would they do that? I don't know. Are you sitting? Sit him on the end. <laughs> if you want to talk. We're going to talk more about AWBS soon. Oh, thank you. I need that. Anyway, continue. Do, do your thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, uh, there is uh, no more things to do because that. Uh, you know what? We can do um, January 8th. We're going ahead in wrestling. Do it, baby. Do it, baby. In wrestling history. But on January 8th, um, was the first, uh, a little more recent, January 2006, um, the WWE's first New Year's Revolution pay-per-view. Uh, it featured the Elimination Chamber um, match. Um, and the and it's so weird to see who was there 16 years ago in the Elimination Chamber. You had Kane, Kurt Angle, Shawn Michaels, John Cena, Carlito, and Chris Masters. Oh, wow. Hey, what up, D-Mac? D-Mac, you in the house. How are you, DMC? Hey, what's happening? How you doing? That is the single greatest shirt I've seen all year. <laughs> oh, yeah. Had to start off the, the right way. Exactly. <laughs> but the greatest of all time there it is there you go there you go and uh, there's only three artists that have 150 million records sold as a solo artist and in a group do you know who those three are um michael michael mm-hmm. paul mccartney yeah, yeah. Say, since it's you paul mccartney Cardi, but since it's me the third guy is phil collins is phil collins <laughs> <laughs> that's it the three the big three <laughs> motherfucker know. Anybody counts Phil Collins, kiss my ass. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Harold Ramis. 
but no. <laughs> no, no, he's dead. Okay. But I know it's like, yeah. Anyway, sorry, f- finish the historian segment before we uh, talk to young Derek here. Younger I was, Derek here. I, I was saying um, the Elimination Chamber, the first one, and there's uh, Resol- Revolution pay-per-view, the first one, uh, January 8th, 2006. And uh, John Cena, and just the names that were involved, That because all these guys, if one of these, all the, the people in the Elimination Chamber historically are people that are going to, they want in the top spot or possibly be the world heavyweight champion. So the names, Kane, Shawn Michaels, Kurt Angle, John Cena, makes sense. And the other two were Carlito and Chris Masters. <laughs> at, a, at one point, Chris Masters, they saw him as a potential main event guy. If I remember not, those days. <laughs> yeah. At the end, John Cena defeated Carlito to win mm. the Edition Chamber and to retain his heavyweight championship. But you would think that would be the end of the pay-per-view. But wait, there's more. Because out comes Mr. McMahon, and he would introduce the challenger immediately, and cashing in and becoming the first man ever, Derek, to cash in the Money in the Bank briefcase. Yes. It was just on primetime Monday Night Raw two days ago. But 16 years ago, Edge became the first man to cash in the Money in the Bank briefcase. 16 years. Wow. January 8, 2006. Time flies. It it does indeed. And he's on, and he was just on Monday Night Raw two days ago. Yeah. And, And here he is. And that, gentlemen and ladies, was the wrestling historian. Thank you very much, Craig, for the lovely uh, and very lengthy uh, New Year's uh, um, 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 wrestling historian. Now it's even longer now. Okay. Yes. It's, uh, <laughs> well. Well. No. That all is just a Twitch, uh, a streaming exclusive because we have our guests here. Uh, and immediately, I guess I tweeted something, and, and Derek would have might have seen it, or I think I shared it with him. And then his uh, almost immediately when this started happening, which we'll talk about in just a second, I got a message Derek from Derek saying, I, I, "I would like to come on, please, and rant." And then he apologized. <laughs> then he said, "I apologize if I rant too much." I was like, "Don't you dare! You better rant your ass off." So, uh, uh, Derek, welcome to the show again. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Love you guys. No, Thank no, you. we love you. Yeah. You. Uh, um, so last week, I don't know the timeline of when Big Swole was released, but <clears throat> Big Swole did an interview about AEW and the huge lack of diversity and the carelessness from the ownership and the office for any black wrestlers or any non-white wrestlers, I'll put it like that. <laughs> and Tony Khan basically pulled the, but I have black friends. That's exactly what he did. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> exactly what he did. Uh, and I stayed mostly out of it because, <laughs> but I did post, uh, I don't know if you saw it, Derek, I made a parody post the last time this came out where AEW was debuting a new show called uh, Whiteout. That's right. Saturday nights on TNT. (laughs) 
and yeah. it's an all black and white. It's a black but mostly white logo version. Yeah. Of the, I yeah. retweeted that and just said, you know, something sarcastic about Tony and moved on. But mm-hmm. I wanted you two gentlemen to discuss Mr. Tony, I have black friends, uh, Con. Because <laughs> I'll give you my two cents real quick. I've said it. It's been documented. This is not a, what do they call it when you're just uh, clutching your pearls as far as social justice? What is it called? Not, ch- not clout chase clout chasing clout. Um, virtue signaling. signaling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've been talking about this. Craig, Craig has been here. Derek, you've listened to the show and heard it. I've been mentioning yeah. this from the beginning. It's the good old boys network version two. It is the son of the wrestler who made his career. And we love dusty. I have nothing negative to say about dusty in that way. Who made his career. uh, Stealing from the African-American culture. (laughs) That's what he did. Let's say it. He was Elvis, but more talented. I said it. Um, (laughs) But he was well-beloved by the African-American culture and everybody because yeah. he did it right, in my opinion, and many opinions, a lot of people don't disagree with me. They had the son to him and his friends, and they started a TV show, and it's very bright. Yeah. <laughs> yes, very. Eric, this is your chance. I've, already, <clears throat> I've said too much already. Mr. McDonald and Craig, Mr. Lagans, you have the floor. I um, yield my time to Derek McDonald. You're my all right. Oh, uh, Ron DMC. All right. Um, nice. Here's the thing, and I, I, I talked about football prior to this, so I'll, I'll lump football into this as well. So let's start with Big Swole. She she seems to be loved and adored by everybody in that locker room. You, you don't hear anything bad about her. And when all this me, came out, put an asterisk. She's very underrated as a worker as well. That too. That that too. And that, that's going to come into what Tony responded to with her. Um, <laughs> so when 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 the article when, when it first came out, I clicked on the article and I read it. And of course, it was clickbait. It was just what she said about it not being very diverse. So I went and listened to the actual podcast that she did, so I could get because things don't translate well to print because people are trying to get headlines. Mm-hmm. So I listened to the entire thing, and it might have been an hour long. Of that hour, 97% of that, she did nothing but applaud and say how much she loved her time in AEW. Um, she did mention things like the women had to fight for more time, which is true in every wrestling company, pretty much. Um, she said, you know, Tony was nice, and, you know, and then she started naming the things she had problems with. And she said, there's a problem at the head with diversity. And to any rational thinking person, you would think she's right. Because when you look at the head, it's Khan, it's the Bucks, it's Omega, and it's Cody. Mm-hmm. There's the diversity. And I had somebody tell me, well, Tony Khan, he's from, he's from the Middle East. I get that. But he's also the son of a billionaire. So don't make it seem like he's sisters of the poor and he understands the struggle. But I'm I'm ranting. That's something. No, no, rant. Don't you dare hold back. Don't you? <laughs> but I, I can but, take a guess of who said that. But yeah. So, and, and then you know, and all she says is they need more diversity. And 
her example is Kenny Omega is in charge of storylines and of wrestling of the women's division. Mm-hmm. That in itself lets you know how can Kenny Omega write and produce women? This is for any minority in any group, whether it's black having black writers for black people, having women writers for women. You need somebody of said minority group to give you a point of view you don't have if you don't belong to that group. It's simple. If I if I had a company and it was all black wrestlers and I had four white wrestlers and they came from somewhere I knew nothing about, how can I tell this person to present a character on television I know nothing about? You know what happens when you get people in positions of power who don't understand what a minority group goes through? You get Teddy Atlas dressed up as Saba Simba because all, all black people are from African tribes. That's what you get. You get Saba Simba, or you, you know? And so, anything wrong with what she said? The internet blows up and it automatically becomes Big Swole calls Tony Khan a racist. And I said, she did not say that. She said, there's no diversity. And the people who are telling me this, surprise, surprise, aren't minority. What you heard was somebody say something by about the big internet darling Tony Khan and you couldn't take it. Because that's another thing with these AEW people. You can't criticize anything. It's, it's the perfect company. You can't criticize anything that has those three letters on it. And I start to go back and forth with people. And I'm like, she didn't say he's racist. And then before I could even start that, Tony Khan comes out and goes, well, this person is a person of color. And, and this person is a person of color. And they bring in Brandy Rose and she's a person of color. And, you know, this person won on AEW Dark and the Lucha Brothers are tag team champions and powerhouse Hobbs, blah, 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 blah. And I want to make something very clear to anybody who can hear my voice. Thanks. I'm, I'm calling Tony Khan racist. There's a very... Very, very big difference. And my mom and my grandfather taught me this when I was a child. There's a big difference between including somebody and something being diverse. There's a very big difference. So if you have an African-American man wrestling on your B YouTube, not even your C YouTube show, and he wins a match, it's not the same as my son turning on Raw and seeing Bobby Lashley being the main point, focal point of a television show. Those are two different things. That's where the yeah, but I have black friends things come in. And Tony Khan, bum on the internet, tell Big Swole, you aren't good enough. That's why I didn't renew your contract. Mm-hmm. A black person in America, from the moment they brought us over here, they have been telling us we're not good enough for anything. We weren't good enough to make music. We weren't good enough to live in the house with you. We had to live out back. We had to collect all the crops and do all the hard work. For you to tell, especially in this day, is to tell a black woman that she isn't good enough to do something, that's a slap in the face to everybody. When you're in, you're, you're documented in an interview, I think I sent you the, the clip, Dad. He says, even a year ago, she's making strides in the ring. She's amazing. She's coming up with storylines. We think Slow can be a big, big star for us. Yeah, I was going to look that up. Never mind. Yeah. And it's what changed other than she just didn't want to be there. So now she's not good enough. And you have these people bashing her and going, how can he be racist? And the Lucha Brothers are on the show. And this, yeah. How many of those people of color feel important to you? Are the, the Lucha Brothers are the tag team champions. Do they feel more important than the Bucks to you people who watch that show? Scorpio Sky. I, Scorpio Sky is Dan Lambert's pet project. Yes, he's, yeah, he's, he stands there in the ring with him. Powerhouse Hobbs, who, who I thought hit the ground running, loses to CM Punk. Now he's just a guy. Where's Ricky Starks? Every 
once in yeah. a while they'll tr they'll trot Brandy out on TV and she'll do her uh -uh sister girl promo and then she disappears. Right. And it it's it's angering and it's it's a slap in the face and we're talking about we're talking about a business that hasn't been friendly to not only African Americans but to Hispanics of anybody of any color. I mean, if you come over here as a Russian, God forbid, you're a bad guy and you're waving the flag and you're singing your national anthem because anything non American is bad to you people. Mm -hmm. Seems like we're still going through it now. WWE, it's not perfect. It's not perfect at all. But like Big Swole said, her daughter can turn on TV and can, she can see Naomi, who matters on that television show. She can see Bianca Belair, who matters on that television show, and Sasha, and Bobby Lashley, and MVP, and The New Day, even though I know some people don't like the fact that they dance and have a good time. I get that. But they matter. And it doesn't feel force-fed in each one of these characters have their own identity and we can relate to them. Our truth has had a job there for over a decade. You, you know? And, and then I, I, I turn on dynamite or whatever it is and it's a person sprinkled here and a person sprinkled. It's almost like you have to check the quota just to say, oh, we have this person. When, when, when they were trotting out AEW, it was like, yeah, we're going to be this whole big thing where everybody's going to matter. They trotted out Sonny Kiss. Sonny Kiss was in every interview sitting next to Chris Jericho and John Moxley. Where's Sonny Kiss now? You hire a Danielson, you hire a Punk, you hire a Cole and O'Reilly, a Fish, and all these guys, and all of a sudden Sonny Kiss can't get on television. Oh, but Sonny Kiss has a job. Well, you know what? Sometimes just being there isn't good enough. Good enough. Give him an opportunity. If he's going to fall on his face, fine. But let him fall on his face. Don't just say, oh, well, we hired him. We can't be racist. Diversity doesn't equal racism. You see what I'm saying? This is why in sports we have the Rooney Rule in football because it's hard for black coaches to get a to get an interview because they're black. Meanwhile, Mike Tomlin hasn't had a losing season in 15 years, and 10 years ago the Miami Dolphins said he was too hip hop to be a coach in Miami. And the, yes, and these are the things <laughs> the Dolphins, right? Like like they have such a you know a pristine record. But these are the things, as, as an African-American, you have to hear. And I mentioned it not too long ago. The thing that Swole said that hit me, and she said it hit her too, was her daughter goes, Mommy, I watch AEW, and nobody looks like me. And there's a whole group of kids out there, African-American and other kids of color, who can turn on the TV, and they want to see people who look like them. Because I can go watch a Marvel movie, and I can go see Black Panther. Or if I'm an Asian descent, I can go see Shang-Chi be a superhero. You know what I'm saying? Or if I'm, if I'm a teenage kid and I'm in the LGBTQ community, I can watch the Eternals and they have something for me there. It, representation matters and it's so important. And if somebody brings up the lack of it, your thing shouldn't be, well, you, you weren't good enough. You know, it's not because you were black, you weren't good enough. And I have this person and that person and that person. It's stupid. And I'm going to end it on this because I can keep talking. This is coming from the Khan family. The same Khan family who hired Urban Meyer right? Urban Meyer, who hired a strength and conditioning coach who was fired from his last job for using the N-word to football players during practice. He was fired. And when the teams put Urban, and when the, the, the media questioned Urban Meyer about it, he stood by it and he goes, I stand by this guy's character. Then Tony Khan, the, 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 the prince of the internet, he goes on a, a ESPN radio show. They ask him about Urban Meyer after all this. And he goes, I think Urban Meyer is an amazing human being and he's taught me how to be a better person. The same Urban Meyer tells me 
fabric of that 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 family. This this tells me what they think of. And just because a man goes on TV and he smiles and he's not the evil Vince McMahon who's been ruling wrestling for forty years, doesn't mean he's a good person. People to realize that. And I need you to stop telling people of color or any. Let's let's take people of color for away from me. Any minority group, whether it's a woman, whether it's a gay person, whoever, you need to stop telling groups. Oh, just shut up. We were talking about Washington, and for years the natives said we didn't like the name Redskins. Oh, just shut up. Get over it. Because just because something doesn't offend you doesn't mean it doesn't offend somebody else. It doesn't mean you shouldn't listen to it. My mom taught me a very long time ago, and I keep bringing up my mom. If you say something that offends one person, Derek, that's one person too many, and you shouldn't say it anymore. And it, it is, it's as simple as that. Craig? What he said. <laughs> I just, I guess I don't understand why. And listen, I had to lear, learn a lot of, I am not perfect. I said, you, and you, yeah, I know it's hard to see me and see how is he not perfect? He's a <laughs> specimen yeah. of uh, being in shape and he's gorgeous yeah. and he's got a full yeah. head. Of, he's got a full head of hair. I don't have a full head of hair. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, you, you learn as you grow up. Some people learn as they grow up. Let me rephrase that. I was one of them. I said stupid racist shit when I was a kid, uh, when I was a teenager. And then you learn. Oh, OK, that's that's pretty shitty. Yeah, I, I shouldn't say that kind of thing anymore because it's really stupid, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. mm-hmm. and you stop and you learn and you evolve and yeah. you grow up. And, and what I don't understand at my age, at 38, as a, a privileged white dude, is why is people's first instinct when somebody and we're going to use Big Swole as an example, since we're talking about this in the first place. Why is everybody's first instinct who isn't affected by what she said? Their first instinct is to attack. Mm-hmm. That's where I lose my concentration. And, and that's where I lose logic in the whole thing. Because your, your first instinct to go, well, no, that's not true. Well, she's not talking out of her ass. She obviously feels that way. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and not for nothing, you've been on the show before to discuss it. Craig and I discuss it almost weekly of lack of diversity and care in the company and, and if it, it's almost made worse by the fact that you pointed out sunny kiss earlier that they went to everybody and said we're going to be different and they're not and sometimes they're worse i don't understand that part of it why it's immediately to dis- to attack and deconstruct that feeling it's hard for me. I, I'm, I'm having trouble putting into words what I'm trying to say, but you get what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I don't understand why people's first reaction to what she said was it's her fault. Why anybody? First of all, the Jaguars suck. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, internally and externally, you suck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know Tony Khan. I don't know his father. And I don't think Tony's racist. I think he's ignorant to this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also don't think it's Tony's fault. I think it's Cody. It's Kenny. It's the Kenny Omega running the women's division thing never made sense to me. Even when people say, yeah, but no, it doesn't make sense to me that he's the guy. Why is it Brandy doing it? it, the, it when this all started, like, wait, why is Brandy there then? Is yeah. she just Cody's <laughs> wife? I don't want her to be Cody's wife. I know she used to be a wrestler. She's trained. Put her in the goddamn 
put her in charge of the goddamn women's division. Why why is she not doing that? Why the hell is it Kenny? Or, or here's an idea. And uh Kenny is because he's uh his connect, he's one of the 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 owners. No, 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 no. I know why, yeah. but it doesn't hold water <laughs> with me. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, because what Derek said about you have to have someone that knows what it, it Kenny Omega just is pulling out his Japanese schoolgirl fetish. But he, he, like, I'll give you an example. Marcus I try to disagree with you, but I can't. He, I, I can't. I look at it and I can't. He's just all over the TV. Um, mm-hmm. Because if Kenny didn't have this fetish, the Japanese schoolgirls that we see on AEW wouldn't be anywhere on American television at all. But mm-hmm. my, my point is having someone that, that represents what you're trying to do that would have an, a better example. Martin Scorsese made Goodfellas, and Martin Scorsese has made movies like that. Steven Spielberg made Schindler's List. Now, Steven Spielberg could have directed Goodfellas, and Martin Scorsese could have directed Schindler's List. They still would have been good movies, but neither mm-hmm. one of those guys has a stake about the subject matter. Steven Spielberg didn't grow up Italian around gangsters, and Martin Scorsese isn't Jewish. It didn't have that mm-hmm. struggle. So having those guys, people say, what about Martin Scorsese? Because they know what the fuck they're talking about. Mm-hmm. If Martin Scorsese wants to, oh, Martin Scorsese doing another mafia, but good. Who knows yeah. better than Martin Scorsese? Yeah. Spielberg's telling a story about a struggle of a certain ethnic group, Color Purple, Amistad, Schiller's List. Good. Who else can tell a story better than Steven Spielberg? Someone like Kenny Omega, who's never been a woman or a Japanese, <laughs> why would he be in charge of the women's division? Why would any man be in charge of Why are white men in Congress in charge of women's bodies right now? There are 50 retired women wrestlers out there that any one of them mm-hmm. could have filled that position and they went with Kenny. Dan, yep. if you brought in Vicky Guerrero, that's her job. Who would know the women... Vicky Guerrero. If you're not think of that. on TV, mm-hmm. who would know how to get and especially the women that they do have there, like a Thunder Rosa or Serena Deeb, who she knows very well. Yeah. You should be running there. That that's who your top women are. The not moment the moment, and I know this is gonna sound like Richard singing signaling, and I don't give a shit. The moment that they didn't make Nia, uh, yeah. Nyla Rose, excuse me, not Nia, Nyla Rose, the first women's champion, and didn't have her go through that whole division like me through cake. Yeah. Is <laughs> the the first, is the moment I knew that I was like, okay, this is a problem. Yeah. Now I don't have a problem. And I know. Craig, Craig, you and I won't agree. I know there's not a total agreement with about to say. I don't have a problem with who has been champion, but that first problem was the Nyla Rose stuff. Yeah, it doesn't. It it was easy. Of course, mm-hmm. you extended a couple months. You wait to the end of the year. Of course, you do. You don't do it right away, but you draw that shit out. But. It was so easy. It was on a silver platter. An amazing story. And eh. yeah. Now, now, as far as Tony Khan's, uh, well, there was a, a stunning lack of diversity. 
in AEW, and we and we could say that is wrestling as a whole, and there and there are yeah. Let, let's 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 be clear there for anybody debating this. Factually, there is a huge lack of diversity. That is not in question. Nobody called Tony Khan racist. That's the second thing. Mm-hmm. Big, Big Swole is correct. That's the third thing. Let's let nobody make a mistake past that. Those are the points. Those are factual. We're going off of that. Continue, Craig. Sorry. Yeah, and and, and I was saying that that I was going to say that um, that um, her pointing it out what is an obvious problem shouldn't make her the bad guy. No, you know? no. Um, yeah, yeah, and it and Tony Khan didn't do himself any favors. By, by saying what he said. And I agree with you, uh, Dan. I don't think he's racist. And between the three of us, we've known enough ignorant people that aren't racist. Mm-hmm. What they are is ignorant. Oh, I didn't know that this would bother you. I didn't, I thought that it was cool to say that in your presence mm-hmm. because we're friends. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, I, no, mali- no, there's no. <laughs> To be fair, though, I never thought as a white dude being your friends that I could go, hey, what's up, N-word? Like, like, <laughs> like if, that's right. I kind of draw the line there. If you thought that, I'm like, oh, I don't think that's ignorance. I think you're being an asshole. But that's just yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. Hey, watch this. What's up, motherfucker? But the thing is that the problem of the big swole... Um, statement and Tony Khan's retort aside, uh, it's still, it's a matter that still needs to be addressed, whether or not it will in AEW. And obviously we've thought out a lot of good ideas and we all have things that we would like to see in AEW and how they could change things around. Um, we could just be, you know, whistling in the dark because nothing's going to happen. But the fact that there, we are having the discussion about it and that mm-hmm. what she said does hold weight. So um, it will be looked at, hopefully. I just, when this was all going down, I had a friend, oh, Rai Rai, he used to be on the show. Um, yeah. He texts me and he goes, this is the end of AEW. And, and I didn't reply to that so much. But the, my in my head, I was like, no, it's not. This no. dude's going to talk his way out of it. And even if it's a bad reply, which it was, uh, it, it'll be business as usual. They'll be below a million viewers, and uh, be look, 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 we're beating NXT. Look, you fucking do. Um, I and and before anybody who's listening to this, if they have before, this is not a hate AEW thing. Craig's watching it as we record the show. I'm going to watch it later. I want mm-hmm. AEW to be successful, and you can listen yeah. to any episode that I've tagged AEW on in the description. It, 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 it's an equal opportunity, hate and like in this show. Mm-hmm. I can pick apart Raw this week and tell you about 15 things. I'm like, oh, God, especially yeah. this week. Yeah. And the Tony Storm thing and all that. It, mm-hmm. Don't th- This is not, we're just going to crap on AEW. This is a, well, Tony says something kind of stupid. If he could have just, man, even if he just lied yeah. in his response and yeah. tried something, that it, I, at that point, just say, but I have black friends. I can't, I, I can't, or, what are you talking just, about? Or just say, I'm sorry she felt that way. I don't have anything against Big Swole. I'm sorry she feels that way. All I can do is do better. I apologize to Big Swole. I apologize. Yeah. 
basketball. Not That's to it. your defensive. Well, I've got black. Well, look at this black guy over here. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Over there. And yeah. look, look at my African-American over there. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, frequent guest on the show, Chris uh, Kazama said, uh, tweeting during that whole thing, it's like, oh, the, well, I can't say what he said. But I'll paraphrase. <laughs> um, you only had seven uh, black people win <laughs> in 2000 <laughs> or, or last month or whatever it was. It was only seven. So you know what he said. And, yeah, I was, uh, and sometimes he tweets stuff and I'm like, I can't like that tweet. But yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> used to the N word. Did you want to discuss the uh, the uh, the departures of the, of the WWE? Yes. The, uh, the, uh, before that, uh, Derek, did you want to put a finer point on it or did you get everything you wanted to? <clears throat> I think I think I, I got it a lot. It's just like you said, it, this isn't a bash AEW thing. It's. No, do better. Yes, that's it. It's, do it, it goes back to the conversation I had with a friend. I, the person I consider a friend, and I'm not going to name him because I have nothing against him, and, and I don't. Hate, I, I have no ill feelings towards this person. He's a wrestler, but he he came at me when I was saying something, and he and he basically did the well. If you don't like it, leave. No, no. How about you do better? Yes, that's that's along the lines of if you don't, you know. If you don't love America, go somewhere else. Exactly. You know, that's, that's exactly that's, what I was getting at. Yeah. Oh, yeah that's support that immigration. Aha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Me immigrating the fuck to Canada. Yeah. Um. So yes, there was. Uh, let me see if I can find this list here. Um. With that being said, let's crap on the WWE now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. There time. was a whole slew. Of NXT staff-related releases today. Mm-hmm. Let me get the list here from Fightful, Sean Ross Sapp. Lots, 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 lots. Where is this? Where is this? Where is this? Sorry, y'all. Hold on. Okay. Road Dog. Timothy Thatcher. Oh. Hideki Suzuki. Danny Birch. Uh... Kathy Carino, known as Allison Danger. Oh. George mm-hmm. Carroll and one William Regal oh. are all gone mm. from NXT. So if you like wrestling, you're screwed. Mm. So I, I don't know. Just thinking that, yeah. Uh. I don't know what's going on. Uh, I, I, I don't know what's going on. Um, yeah, I don't know what's going on. I don't even know what to say to all this. It's just another... Ever since COVID, there's been 50 people total, maybe mm-hmm. more staff and, and workers gone. Mm-hmm. And I can't figure out. You know, I, I keep saying, and I've been saying it, you know, this is all to shed payroll uh, for uh, for an upcoming sell. Uh, That's what I think. Sold his house um, mm-hmm. last month. Um, obviously, getting out while, you know, and this is a, a, a massive house cleaning like this, especially with people that have been with the company for so long. Yeah. Um, that has always served the company well. And mm-hmm. we went on the air, Derek, we were talking about some of the people we, uh, the, 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 the second biggest story in wrestling to me last year, other than the return of CM Punk, was the mass exodus of WWE mm-hmm. talent that were gone. I mean, former world champions, main event people, you know, the Bray Wyatt's, the Braun Strowman's, the Ric Flair's, um, just Jeff Hardy, um, 
all just, you know, uh, gone. With Jeff Hardy, you know, there was a reason, you know, and and in this in his case, he didn't want rehab, and so they had to let him go. Go ahead. Yeah. WWE issued a statement to Fightful uh, saying that with the continued evolution of NXT 2.0, we've decided to part ways with some of the staff based in our performance center. We thank them for their many contributions throughout the years and wish them the best. Here's my thing. If, if just reading those names, right? If you're going to bring in talent from off the street that has no wrestling background, they're just football players or whatever. Um, and I'm not going to knock football players who get into the business because one of my favorite wrestlers of all time is Ron Simmons, and he was a football player who got into the business. Yeah. But um, if you're going to bring in these people, wouldn't you want a William Regal around? Who better to teach them <laughs> the fundamentals than Master Regal, as some people call him? Yeah. Wouldn't you want a Wouldn't you want a Timothy Thatcher, you know, an old school guy like him to be around? Wouldn't you want a Scott Armstrong to be around? Like, wouldn't you want these guys to be around to help these? Because not everybody's going to be a, a, a you know Rick Steiner's kid. Not everybody's going to take to it like he has. Like a duck to water. I really thought uh, Darren, Mr. William Regal, was a uh, for-life guy. Yeah. yeah. I was like, they're going to let him go. There's no way. I mm. mean, we talked about, we, we were talking about Bobby Eaton yeah. earlier, and, and the six degrees of Bobby Eaton would be Stephen Regal. William mm. Regal was probably the other Bobby Eaton of that next mm-hmm. generation who was mm-hmm. so... So good, if not the best, better than everybody else, other than maybe Eddie Guerrero that we've ever mentioned on this show. Ric Flair, Sting, anybody who we talk about on a regular basis, he was 10 times better than them in the ring. And And you would think you would want that guy telling anybody just a little bit of that information for the rest of his life, for the rest of the, the, as long as he wanted to. And he could do anything. He could be the comedy guy if he wants. So if you want to teach them how to do comedy stuff, how to be a character, he could do that. Um, he could do everything. It's it, you hear stories about when Vince took over the company. His dad was like, you know, look after Black Jack Lanza. You know, look after this person. Make sure this person always has a job. And you would think Regal was one of those guys where you just no matter what he's going to be around. But like you said, you know, if you look around now, you know, God rest his soul. Pat Patterson wasn't on the you know on the payroll when he passed away. Jerry Briscoe is not like everybody who was Vince's guys. They're all gone now. And they have to be, I think they have to be selling at this point because you're gutting the foundation of that company and you're just turning it into a, you know, a property for somebody to buy. I think Nick Khan, who people hate, I think his orders were come in here, shed some payroll, make the books look good, and then sell us to somebody and go into your way. That has to be it. They have to be setting up for a sale. Yeah. I, and I been waiting for that other shoe to drop for a while. But more than anything, uh, guys, this the shedding, especially of the NXT roster, shows that um, he may not be gone, but there is absolutely no Triple H influence anymore in NXT. No. no. Because no, yeah. if Triple H has that the, the kind of power to say, what, you let go of Samoa Joe? Bring that guy back. Mm-hmm. And he's back. You mm-hmm. cannot tell me that, a, that, especially with Steven Regal, who who helped break Triple H in, to mm-hmm. they were supposed to be the Blue Bloods, yeah, or they were the Blue Bloods before Triple H left WCW. So he trained under him. So if if Trip, the fact that Regal is gone, showed that there is no more Triple H influence 
over his baby, over a thing that he created mm-hmm. that made the annex NXT was the best wrestling show on any network, yes. included for a, for a good many years. And that mm-hmm. was because of the town that Triple H saw and the guys that he picked, the mm-hmm. assholes, the kind of the guys from the indies that yeah. Triple H wrestled in briefly, but that's how you got experience was wrestling in indie um shows in the high school gymnasiums and, and rec centers and stuff. So you, and guys like Kyle O'Reilly and Rod and Roddy, uh Adam Cole, who made Adam Pierce, who made mm-hmm. the on and Triple H knows those guys and respects those guys. And that's why yeah. he brings them to NXT and they become megastars, superstars. You see how good they are, how good mm-hmm. they've been. And the mm-hmm. Keith Lee's and the Damien Priest and the yeah. and the um Yakin um Shitsuke Yakamoras and all those guys. Mm-hmm. And and now they're gone. And yeah. they're, they're they're being shed for guys that have people that have never wrestled a day in their life, never even watched wrestling growing mm-hmm. up. But because they were athletes or former cheerleaders or they look good, now they're getting a shot with absolutely no one to train them. So they're going to come in and either they're going to hurt somebody else or they're going to get themselves hurt. Yeah. Because there is no Stephen Regal anymore. But if anything, this really shows the uh, uh, how Triple H is, really has no... His fingerprints are all over NXT, but they just removed him from the equation altogether. And that's... Re- I never, ever thought... I would miss Triple H in any capacity. (laughs) Being in the NXT has really, really uh, showed how big an influence he is, especially when you look at the the lack of product they have right now outside of of, uh, Rex Steiner. Yeah, it it, it almost makes me think, I I like to call it the dark era of SmackDown, where like the mid-2000s, you would turn on SmackDown, it'd be like Luther Reigns. Yeah. Imagine all these big meathead guys they brought in who could, they were killing poor Eddie Guerrero in the yeah. ring because they didn't know how to work. And like you said, not everybody's going to be you know Rick Steiner's son. That kid's from the business. You know he's he's different than the normal football player you're going to bring in. And what's going to happen is they're going to do this. It's not going to work, mm-hmm. and then they're going to have to reset it all over again. Because like you said, I, I don't think, in, and I'm not the biggest Triple H fan either, but I think he doesn't get enough respect probably from within that company he took when he took over nxt they were like in warehouses yes. and the next thing you know they're selling out arenas wrestlemania weekend royal rumble weekend survivor series weekend their pay-per-views were better than the actual pay-per-views that they were proceeding nxt yeah. over that was appointment tv for me yeah especially yeah. what we saw in, in philly when they came here that was yeah again selling out stadiums like you said um, and mm-hmm. they had the best wrestling on on the car because of the guys that they had, the undisputed era, and um, um, and Keith Lee and uh, those other guys that yeah. made NXT. I mean, Seth, Keith, uh, Kevin Owens, those guys made NXT what it is, and the women too, the four horse women, Charlotte. Yeah. They, I saw a report where they was like, well, Vince feels like they weren't making enough stars. I'm like, well, if he looks at his, look at his main roster, his four top women, they're all from NXT. Asuka is from NXT. They say Vince loves Kevin Owens. That's NXT. Sami Zayn is 
very ver- he's he's one of the most versatile guys they have on there. He can have a great match. He showed he can be a great character. That's a yeah. Triple H guy. Damian Priest is a Triple H guy, like you said. So for him for them to say, well, he doesn't get enough credit. Well, you're riding Seth Rollins. You know that's his guy. Yeah. You know, um, it's 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 just weird. And I I don't know. Maybe it's Vince in his old age, or maybe maybe Vince just didn't like the, all the attention Triple H was getting. But you know, you can make the argument. Adam Cole two years ago was one of the best wrestlers in the world and he was wrestling on NXT yes. and the, the idea of him in NXT was so great that you can turn on AEW today and Fish, O'Reilly and Cole, they're doing the NXT gimmick on AEW television yeah. and people love it and I think that's a credit to Triple H who I hate giving credit to oh, yeah. but, um, <laughs> but it's a credit to him. Yeah, I'll give him all the credit in the world behind the scenes I'll never give it to him in the ring he, to me he'll always be the guy you put in the ring with the guy who makes all the money you know, yes. you, and, and you, so, yeah, he's also the guy who told Booker T he wasn't good enough to be champion and proved it at WrestleMania. So, yeah. I, I, yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. So, I, I, yeah, I don't pay to see Triple H. I pay to see who is wrestling because nine times out of ten, that's the guy that's everyone's there to see. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But, uh, but what he did in NXT and what he's done uh, even for tag teams, you know, mm-hmm. FTR, build a Triple H yeah. guy. Yeah. yeah. Those are the guys, you know. Uh, Chomp and Gargano, great tag mm-hmm. team. Those are Triple H guys. Yeah. I mean, you look at uh, American Alpha, you know, yeah. Gable and Jordan. They were, people were calling them the modern day Steiner brothers. Then they get called up, Vince's tag team, and he breaks them up immediately. Yeah. Exactly. And, and but, but that, again, that was a bit, and you would, we could say that about any guy, any person who's a top on NXT that comes to WWE, we think they're, that means they're, they hit the big time. And they're, it, Vince gets it in his head and, and make no mistake about it, people. This all everything goes on on is, is he has to go by Vince first. He's got final say. And when you see how how bad he looks on TV now, and you know how he just doesn't yeah. have it anymore. Because why mm-hmm. would you take a can't miss, sure thing, easily top eight guy like Karrion Cross, and then dress him up like <laughs> a gladiator, a, yeah, or, <laughs> or a poor man's demolition? You yeah. take. Scarlet and you know Vid loves I which makes even less sense because mm-hmm. they love women, especially mm-hmm. the ones that look good. And mm-hmm. you you bring them in as a package deal, and they're a couple in real life. So again, you have mm-hmm. a they're I'm underhanding you a gopher ball. This is a home run. Yeah. Be him. And they may even manage to mess that up. And now they're both gone. Yeah, it's and I think I, I think it was Jim Cornette. It was somebody who goes, you know, if Brett and Sean came along today, Vince would kick them out from the from the company because they were too small. And you would think he would have learned from that. When Warrior failed, when Bulldog Bulldog failed, and Sid Vicious failed, Brett and Sean and Mister Perfect, they kind of carried that company onto the next, you know, the next level. And I don't know, like you said, he's getting older now, and yeah. you can see him on TV. And I know Jim Cornette definitely said this. Jim Cornette said. Young Vince would never let himself be seen on TV the way he looks on TV now. So he would yeah. never allow it. He would never be in front of a camera. And I think it just shows that he's losing touch of reality. And I don't know if he wants all the credit for it being good, but sometimes the best, the best way to be the boss is being able to step back and put somebody in that position yeah. who can do what they do. You know, They say Ro- Roman Reigns is probably one of the best things they have on television. That's yeah. all Paul Heyman. So yes. if you're willing to concede power to Heyman, you should be able to concede power in other things. Because no matter how good it is on TV, you're the one who's going to make all the money in the end. So I don't know why he would just hate to have anything great on TV. Well, he's always been like that, Derek. And and honestly, if there was no steroid trial, 
Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart would have never got the main event spot. Yeah. And yeah. that was and the fact that Vince did that, that was all just and Vince had to be talked into that, kicking mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. let the folks go on the smaller guys like Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. You know, he always just saw them as tag team guys, the Hart Foundation of the Rockers. Now yeah. these guys are gonna carry the company. And but wrestling fans knew who the best wrestlers were, even when Hogan yeah. was on top. We knew that Bret Hart was a man. We knew how mm-hmm. good Shawn Michaels was. We knew mm-hmm. that that Ted DiBiase or Kurt Henning could out wrestle Hulk Hogan eight days a week. Yep. But and you you mentioned Jim Cornette. He he had a great uh, analogy. If you gave Vince a state of a sixty thousand st- packed stadium sold out, he would book Hogan versus Warrior instead of Flair versus Steamboat. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly true. what he would do because. Mm-hmm. That's what he thinks wrestling should be or wrestling should look like. And the way he sees it uh, now, he, he, he doesn't see what, what made him great in the first place. And that it's not the 90s anymore and that it's not mm-hmm. the attitude era any, anymore. But he hasn't moved on from that. And he's still stuck in And the fact that he wouldn't even concede a Triple H is someone like Heyman, who's been around the business long enough, but he's been in the ring and he knows what works and knows what doesn't work. Mm-hmm. But he'd rather push um, his own ideas on it. But then when you have a big guy like Keith Lee, who's perfect, another home run that you mm-hmm. could don't don't touch him. Whatever the guy, same guy from NXT, bring that guy to the main roster. Don't let him lose to anyone under any circumstances. Mm-hmm. You got a million dollar. You have a million dollar act right there. But no, mm-hmm. you want to change him around. You want to change it. You want to shave Adam Cole's head. Yeah, yes. Oh, oh. Again, are we? This is what he's a new, the new Harvey Whippleman now. You want to go back to the to the nineties? That's what. That's that's why he's he's lost whatever touch he had because he can't get out of his own way. Mm-hmm. And we're not. And nothing's going to change yeah. outside of of a, of a sale. To someone who actually does know what they're doing or can make it into a wrestling show, because Vince was never interested in wrestling. He was interested in making entertainment. He mm-hmm. wanted to be the Walt Disney of wrestling, not yeah. the not the Eddie Graham of wrestling, or the uh, or the Bill Watts, or the Paul Bosch, or the Sam Muchnick of wrestling. He wanted to make entertainment. He hates the word wrestler. He doesn't even want it to be. He can't even use it on TV. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and. It's like you said. It's so weird because he, he he loved Eddie Guerrero. You know, yeah. Kurt Kurt Angle isn't the biggest guy, and it's it's almost like somebody should just sit him down and go, Vince, look, look what these guys did for you. Rey Mysterio is probably one of the greatest wrestlers to ever grace the ring. He changed the he changed the industry completely when he yeah. came here. He yeah. loves Rey Mysterio, but Rey even Rey had a ceiling when it came to that company. You know, they said the minute he put Rey on the put the title on Rey, he started booking. For him to lose and it's like well why why would you want to sabotage your own product like you said adam cole is a miss can't miss guy he he had a little bit of Shawn michaels in the way he could do everything there's not nobody and on that main roster who adam cole couldn't have an amazing match with and if you go oh he's too small well he has two buddies you can put with him and they can be a stable together and he yeah. just goes no let's let's cut his hair and treat him like he's a manager like wh- yeah. wh- why what Another example, Derek, of him not realizing that even if you lose, you, you're in the end, you're the winner. You had a ready-made angle with the WCW invasion. 
And even so, even if you bought WCW, so even if they come out on top, you still win. But mm -hmm. no, I'll, I'm going to bury all the WCW guys, even up to 25 years after the, the Monday Night War was over. You still couldn't let Sting yeah, right. one win? I'll never, I will never forget doing, like, it's going to happen. Sting's coming, and, 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 and he's going to wrestle Triple H and the whole thing. And I'll never forget on the show, it was me, Chris, and, and Dean, and Omega Squad, and Dean, and, and them asking me, well, who do you think is going to win? And I was like, Triple H. And I remember Dean going, you don't think Sting's going to they're not gonna Sting's gonna go over. I'm like, hell no, they're not gonna let get Sting go over. They're gonna bury them. And not only did they bury him, they had a nonsensical NWO DX run in, and everybody's like, it looked great. It was stupid. It was so fine. And if you're gonna have Triple H go over, at least do it clean. Mm -hmm. Not have 50 old geriatrics come out. Yeah. <sighs> Just just over would mean in Vince's warped mind that WCW was better the whole time, and he could never do that, even though it's Sting, though. And I know people yeah, are like, yeah, yeah. Well, it's not, he's not that bullshit. Sting <laughs> was the guy Ric Flair mm -hmm. deemed years ago, and we could debate about what kind of a person Ric Flair is. And we have a different time as far as just wrestling. Ric Flair was the guy, and on that day, he decided the other guy was Sting, and he did it hundreds of times over, and Sting was the guy through all the bullshit. Jim Hurd, Jim Cornette, Ric Flair booking, Eric Bischoff, Cowboy Bill Watts, uh, or, uh, Ole Anderson, Ed Ferrara, Dusty, Ed Ferrara, Vince Russo, Mike Graham, Back to fucking Bischoff or whoever was booking at the end. He was there. He stayed there and carried that place. And you couldn't give him one thing in 2000 and whatever fuck year it was. 15? 16? I don't remember. You couldn't give him this one thing. Now, granted, he looked like he was having fun with that whole Seth Rollins thing, and that ended badly. But the dude looked like he was having fun. More than he did. The only time I have, saw him have fun after WCW actually looked like he was enjoying the job himself was when he was doing the Joker Sting gimmick. And I know a lot yeah. of people don't like that gimmick. Fuck you. That was fun. And like he looked it, like yeah. he was having fun, which made me enjoy it and made mm -hmm. me watch Impact again when I turned it off because Hogan was like, we're going head to head. You're an idiot, Terry. Um, <laughs> couldn't give him that one thing. No. Because God damn it. Yeah, because that would mean that someone would think that WCW was better the whole time. You can't ever have that. It's, no, it's, it's nuts. Yeah, it is nuts. Uh, you so, know, I, well, I, was the, I was the same way when he came in. I remember people thinking, well, Sting's got to be Triple H. And I'm like, well, do you remember when he did the Goldberg, who was like the third biggest star behind Rock in Austin during the boom period? I remember when he did the Booker T, like we said earlier. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think the only reason Booker survived is because they gave Booker you know, chicken shit, and he made chicken salad out of it. I think that's the only reason Booker survived. But, yeah, I was like, Vince has, you know, he has no interest in making these people look bigger. It's like he still thinks the world's going on, and it's crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is crazy. And I, um, we, it's 2022. We got a whole year to go. I don't know what 
shape the world of wrestling is going to be in. In 2022, we may be, see some of the guys we mentioned when Dan and you're listening to people that left WWE. They may show up in AEW. Um, that would be interesting to see uh, who does show up in AEW because you know someone is. Mm-hmm. You know, AEW has made their has made their their hay with debuting former WWE stars, and it worked yeah. because yeah. for that brief shining moment, you know, they get over a million views. Mm-hmm. To see the guys that they remember from the WWE. So obviously, more coming. Will it be a Bray Wyatt finally? Uh, a Braun Strowman, a Ric Flair, a Tony Storm. Stephen Regal has a lot of friends over in AEW. That well, the problem with Tony Storm is if she doesn't come in and just barrel roll through everybody again, I'm going to be upset. Like yeah. that's what you do with somebody that looks like Tony yeah. Storm. That's just I agree. Yeah. My 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 only fear is, and it's not like AEW doesn't have the payroll to have all these people, but it will be like the WWF was in the early 80s when they were signing up everyone just to, to hurt the NWA. Mm-hmm. So, um, and everyone from, you know, from Hercules to, 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 to Scott McGee to Buzz Sawyer, they signed Mr. Wrestling 2. And I know some old fans don't remember this, but they were at Butch Reed and just raid everyone from Mid-South and, and get Junkyard Dogs, Hacksaw Butch Reed, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Ted DiBiase, Jake Roberts, Everyone and, and, and Hercules and uh, Wendell Cooley, all in WWF. And we'll go to Florida and we'll get Scott McGee and we get B. Brian Blair yeah. and we get everyone from the AWA and then we'll get guys from, from Georgia and we'll put them all in the roster. Don't have enough room. And, mm-hmm. and it was so bad, it was so big that WWF in the and I kept the calendar of this uh, from 84 to 85 would run three shows a day in three different oh. parts of the country. That's God. how big the, the roster was. So Hogan would be on top in one, Slaughter would be on top in another, and they could have a tag team match, the tag team title between the Bulldogs and uh, Nikolai Volkov and Iron Sheik would be the main event in another, or Wendy Richter would be the main event in the third. Uh, but yeah, that's how big the roster was. AEW is not there yet where they can run two different, they can't even run two different shows and two different, and there's no more house show business anyway mm-hmm. to speak of. So if AEW signs all these people, it's you know, too. I'm afraid of somebody getting getting left out. Yeah, or they're gonna they're gonna just start shoehorning people on TV just yeah. to justify signing. Like Christian is one of my favorite wrestlers ever. I love Christian. Yeah. Um, but it does something to me to see him come out standing next to a guy dressed as a dinosaur. It's yeah. like, well, like what do we like? Is this what we're doing with Christian? You just just didn't shouldn't sign him if you had nothing for him. Well, and just we I I mentioned at the very beginning. Derek of this uh, tele of the AEW telecast, we're having an hour match with mm-hmm. between Brian Danielson and Adam Page, and they had judges in case it went to a draw, and the mm-hmm. judges are Jerry Lynn, Paul White, Big Show, and Mark Henry. <laughs> two of the biggest, but I mean, two literally the two of the biggest guys in the biz. And what are you doing with Big Show and Mark Henry? Nothing. Yeah, yeah. And why bring them in? Yes. Uh, I don't know. I don't know either. And and I'm a and someone like Christian who was a big deal, and now he's a mouthpiece for for a dinosaur. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it it doesn't bode well now for former stars going to the WWE because if they don't do anything with the big stars that they do have, 
like a Paul White and Mark Henry, what are they going to do with someone like a Bray Wyatt or a Braun Strowman? Yeah. And I, I, I spoke about this with Brady last night, where a part of me wonders if Bray, who he comes from the business, you know, I'm pretty sure his grandpa taught him the business pretty well and his dad. He, I wonder if he looks at the landscape of a landscape of AEW and goes, where do I fit? Like, I'll be a big deal for a month and then what? You know, you got to think of that. And more do or do you capitalize on what the fans already know about him? Do you put him as to step into Brody Lee's spot. Yeah. yeah. As the Dark Order. Yeah. So with, I, yeah. And I was going to say, it's it's going to get to the point where, and WCW got to this point around 97, 98, 99, where all these lower tier guys who are getting pushed, pushed, pushed further and further down the card, they're going to leave. Yeah. And somebody's going to take them and possibly try to make them into superstars. And that's when you get the radicals leaving to go into WWF. You know, that's when, you, you know, Vince takes a Mick Foley and he takes a stunning Steve Austin and he takes, you know, to a lesser extent, yeah, a lesser extent Johnny B. Bad. And you take these guys and you go, I'm going to feature them on my show. Because it, it, eventually they're going to have, a, it's going to be a WWE roster if they continue at this point. Yeah. And uh, I, I think they're, they're okay with that. Yeah, probably, yeah, yeah, you're right, yeah. Well, we kicked it a little old school tonight, and I couldn't have been happier that it went. <laughs> it, we're close to two hours, and I love doing that sometimes. Okay. Um, and, of course, Derek, you're welcome anytime. You just hit me up like you did. I mean, it was quick. Yeah, it was immediate, <laughs> it, right? <laughs> it, was, it was goddamn quick. No sooner did I retweet the WW, uh, the AW Whiteout, it was... Dan, I, it's like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, come on yeah, in. I, I had to vent. I had to vent. But hopefully the next time I come on, it'll be for more happier things. Yeah. Well, I yeah. mean, if you want to talk about something happy, you know where to find me. Oh, I'll, I'll, say I'll be here. I'll be here. Please you know, every t- see, see, you'll get smart eventually like Omega and stop asking because Omega will text me about wrestling. And then I'll go, you want to come on? He's like, oh, God damn it. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. I enjoy this. It, it feels good. It's, it's it's good for the soul. So you know, and 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 nowadays, um, to make sure my wife can't hear me. Um, my wife is expecting, so <gasps> I'm. Yeah, so she's you see that she either loves me or she hates me, depending on the day. So it's good to see some smiling faces. Congratulations to somebody who thinks it. Uh, let me rephrase that. Congratulate. Tell her from one of her favorite people, because okay. I'll never forget Derek. <laughs> um, congratulations and I'm yeah. so happy and I can't wait Thank to you. meet this face yeah. on the internet I can't wait yeah. to see it, yeah and she cool. uh she wanted me to congratulate you on your on your your dog Dan she was like tell Dan I'm uh, so happy he found the dog because realistically we were when you asked you know you were like if anybody knows anybody selling anything let me know we would look and she'll come in and she'll tell you we'd, we'd be looking like you know just look out for Dan I appreciate. I appreciate that very much. I'll talk more um off the air and tell her. I really appreciate that, and I will tell yeah. you more that you can tell her after okay. this. So before we do that, Craig, where can people follow you, sir? Uh, they can follow me in this brand new year on um, Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter at Craig Lagon. C R A I G L I double G E O N S. Derek, you are not on social media, but where else can people listen to your voice? 
I am on in the room on the Brady. I'm sorry, on VOC Nation. I on the show with Brady Hicks of PWI fame and also Stro the Maestro of WCW fame. The guy who had the last great moment in WCW besides Vince standing in the ring with James Brown that they didn't, you know, that they didn't promote because that was WCW around that time. How did they not promote that? James Brown in Georgia. Like, what's going on? They had me, Gene, the Dancing Machine, and James Brown in the same ring, and they didn't go, hey, guys, it's going to be on Sunday. Please watch. Please Please watch. But um, I popped. I was like, fucking James Brown. I mean, so I was like, oh, shit. I was a kid, too, and I got in trouble. I was like, oh, shit, James Brown. My mom's like, what? (laughs) Mom, it's fucking James Brown. Hey, shut up. Well, look. But, um. Yes, you can find me there. Um, like I said, I, I love being on the show with you guys. I'm going to try to make it my duty to come on here more often just because this is like a breath of fresh air. It's, it's, Any it's time. If you want to do it weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, do it. Uh, I'll hold you to it. I'll yes. ask, I'm going to yes. start asking you. Hey, you yes. yes. And, and, and it's funny because before I came on, Craig, I saw your post about This Is Us yeah. and how you didn't feel like crying. And as soon as I get off the line, I'm pretty sure my wife's going to be down there watching it crying. And I always go, why do you watch something that makes you cry? Like, why do you watch this show? And I don't, I don't, I don't watch it enough, but I watch it enough with her. So I kind of get bits and pieces of what happens and I'll be sitting there and I'll be trying not to pay attention to something that happened. I'll be like, Oh my God. Like, it's like, you can't help but cry. Exactly. Dude, dude, dude. dude. All right. It's not the same emotionally, but, but this moment is, Doctor Who. I've not watched one episode of that show. And I know I'm in the minority. Kelly watches it all the time. Mm-hmm. And I remember it, it, and I had to talk to her about it because I needed emotional help after this scene. <laughs> have any Craig, have you ever watched Doctor Who? Never. No, okay. Derek, I, I don't think you've ever watched Doctor Who. No. Okay. I'm not going to explain it to you. It's this, I don't I don't know who these fucking characters are. Uh-huh. <laughs> but they, they are. It, it was a list of the saddest ends of British television show, or saddest moments of British television show. It was a much much mojo list, and I watched it going, "Oh, cool, maybe I'll see something I should watch." Not thinking I was going to get destroyed at number two, and it's this moment where Doctor Who has got to tell this character, "She's just tell, tell me you love me." They're on a beach, and and he's gonna he's gonna disappear. He's gonna die air quotes mm. and they're just standing there and she's like well we'll say it and he, and he won't fucking say it and he fucking disappears and then uh, at the end of it i'm going <laughs> i'm ugly crying and i'm like <laughs> she goes yeah and guess what he has to relive it later i'm like <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> you can follow all these anecdotes later at on all social media platforms at danlo 83 please look up the HIAC Talk Radio Network on your favorite podcast network or app or any smartphone. Like, share, subscribe. Tell your friends. Tell your families. Please listen to us and please share this episode. I feel that we really had a great discussion and these two gentlemen carried it and really good things to say. And I would like everyone to share that. For Craig Legans and Derek McDonald, I am the other guy, Dan Lolly. Dan, whatever my name is this week. Goodbye. <laughs> I don't know my name. Goodbye. <laughs>